Latvia Weekly, your independent guide to the news in Latvia, with your hosts Otto Tabuns and Joe Horgan. Latvian Museum, and welcome to episode number eighty-five of the Latvia Weekly podcast, which is a very accurate number because eighty-five is about the temperature it is right now here in Yelgava. If you are a user of the Fahrenheit system, and I am one of your hosts, Joe Horgan. Seated across from me is Otto Tabuns, who is also melting in the heat right now. Otto, uh, how are you? Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, exactly, you're right. It almost feels like 85 centigrade. So this must be one of the hottest time in the year uh, in Latvia. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's a little bit of an exaggeration because I think we'd probably both be dead already at 85 centigrade, which is another another reason why I like Fahrenheit better. But we will not get into that again. That's an argument that we have over and over and over again. Um, but we will be using centigrade because we we're just going to start out with the weather because it's it's again the thing that everyone's talking about. Uh, here in Yelgava, uh, where we are currently sitting here on my balcony on Sunday afternoon, it's uh, 28 degrees today, uh, low of 16 at night. We're going to see some thunderstorms today, tomorrow, the next day, and pretty much the entire week. Uh, there's going to be a big chance of thunderstorms in the afternoon. Uh, Monday, it's going to be 26 degrees, uh, 15 during the night. Uh, Tuesday, 22 degrees is going to be a little bit cloudier. Uh, Wednesday, 20 degrees. Thursday, 23. Friday, 23. Saturday, 24. Sunday, 24. Monday, 23. Tuesday, 24. So it's going to be pretty nice and warm the entire week. A little bit less oppressively hot than it is today. And pretty much the same thing every day. Pretty good chance of rain in the afternoon or thunderstorms. So very good time for travel. Now, for those of you who were listening last week, you might have noticed that there was one story that we did not cover that you were probably waiting for, because every week for the last few months, we have been talking about the COVID-19 situation here in Latvia. And that was not a mistake. We didn't just forget this story, because the COVID-19 situation here in Latvia is pretty much non-existent at this point. So last night here in Latvia, there was one new case of COVID-19 that was reported here in the morning. And you might be thinking, well, that's just because there's not a lot of tests. Well, there was more than a thousand tests that were done. I think it was a thousand twenty-four, if I am not mistaken. So uh, it's it's not just that we're not testing. You know, that's one out of a thousand, basically, which is a pretty good situation to be in, considering how the rest of the world is right now. So uh, although a lot of people aren't going to be traveling to other parts of Europe, the great thing about Latvia is that there are plenty of wonderful travel options. So that is why Otto and I have put together, uh, well, we haven't actually really put together, we, we are going to do very quickly at the beginning of the show, seven different wonders of Latvia off the top of our head that you can go and visit. If you are lucky enough to be here in Latvia and not somewhere else in the world uh, that is still suffering from the COVID uh, situation a, a lot more seriously than we are. Um, and these are all places that are pretty easy to get to. Um, you know, especially if you have a car, but uh, but you can get to most of these by train or bus as well. So, Otto, let's start out. Where is the number one place that people should go to here in Latvia if they want to have a good time in the summer? Uh, that would be, at least in my case, as this was also a discovery for me this year, that would be Jurkalne, which is a place uh, in western Latvia, in Kurzeme, uh, by the sea, approximately um, in the middle between... Um, 
Liepāja and Ventspils and it uh, is one of the most exciting sites you can see as uh, you have not only the wonderful Baltic Sea uh, but also uh, the uh, tallest uh, sand dune in Latvia uh, being approximately 30 meters. So uh, a, a little bit uh, like uh, the site you could see when you take the ferry and arrive to England uh, you can uh, get uh, in uh, this part of the world in Latvia in Jurkalne. And so what we're going to do is, so Otto's going to mention a place, I'm going to mention a place. We haven't checked these with each other ahead of time. So um, I, I've, I've made a little list of uh, a few places. So if Otto takes one of mine, then I'll do another one. So uh, number two, <laughs> exactly. Um, so number two, I'm going to go a little bit further south from your colne, And there's a little town called Pavlosta. Some of you know this very well, but a lot of you uh, have never heard of this little town before. And if you are looking for an amazing seaside place here in Latvia, that is the number one uh, one that I can recommend because there is, it, it, first of all, it's a beautiful little town. Like it really feels, I, I'm, I'm from Maine in, in the United States and it really feels like one of these kind of small fishing villages that we have all over the, um, this, uh, the state. Uh, but there's also, you know, some nice places to stay there. There's a lot of nice guest houses and there's one uh, very good kind of little diner. It's like a, it, it really feels like a, and I don't know. I think maybe one of the reasons why I like Pavlosta so much is just because it, it feels a lot like home for me. Uh, so I don't know if that's the same for everyone, but anyone I know who has stayed in Pavlosta has loved it. So that is my first recommendation. Um, Otto, what's your next recommendation? Uh, I would uh, take our listeners to uh, another part of Latvia completely. Uh, that would be specifically the bends of Daugava, uh, so the, a part of the Daugava River between Daugavpils and Kraslava, uh, which uh, is also uh, quite a uh, unique uh, feat of uh, geography, uh, which is also a very beautiful and impressive, not only the uh, two uh, wonderful cities that have uh, enough of historical heritage uh, to enjoy yourself if you're a fan of architecture, but also uh, for the fans of nature and uh, very uh, pristine environment, uh, these uh, bends and the uh, forests and the uh, valley of uh, Daugav River um, at that location is probably also one of the most beautiful uh, river sites in this country. So now we've covered both the extreme west of the country and the extreme east of the country. I'm going to cover now the extreme middle of the country or pretty close to the middle. It's still more in the west a little bit. Now, uh, when we think of national parks here in Latvia, the one that mo- comes to mind most often is Gauja National Park, which is, uh, if you've been to the cities of Sigulda or Tesis or Valmir, then you've been to Gauja National Park, basically, because you, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a huge territory uh, between, um, well, a- a- along the Gauja uh, Valley in, in, that, in that region and uh, between the two main roads. Uh, but there is another national park that gets far less attention, far less um, recognition but I would argue is not not only just as majestic, but I would argue even more majestic than Gauja National Park. And that is Temru National Park or uh, Temri, or for those of you um, who have seen a map, it looks like Kemeri or Kemeri or something like that. And this is situated at the very extreme west of Yormala, which is this very long town. And uh, so, so there's a few different things there. The most famous part of the National Park is this amazing peat bog, which if you were unlucky enough to watch the Namias Ring movie, uh, then you have seen it because they use that as a filming location. Uh, but really, it is the one part of Latvia that feels, I, w- I would say, the most unique when it comes to the nature. Because I, I love that Gauja National Park, but you can see a lot of that nature in a lot of other places as well. The peat bogs here in the Baltics are really something else, you know. 
and uh, just the, the the way that there's these little trees and these little pools and these little lakes and you're just walking through, you really feel like you're on another planet. Uh, but that's not all. There's so much more in Gemini National Park to see. There are amazing beaches along the coast uh, with little fi- uh, with little um, fish huts where you can buy some amazing, delicious fish. There's a lot of other lakes. There's a lot of bike trails. There's so much stuff to do in Gemini National Park. And the added bonus is that not only can you get there by train, and there's a bike rental place right at the train station, but it is a uh, what like an hour drive from Riga, not even. Um, you know, if, if traffic is good. So skip Yermala. Skip Gaudi National Park. Well, go to Gaudi National Park, but um, but but do go to Germany as well. So, what is your next recommendation, Otto? Or your last recommendation, or second to last? Because we we have one final recommendation, which I get. I think you guys can already guess uh, that we'll do together. But what's your last individual recommendation? Well, at this time of year, I would recommend to visit uh, the Rundale Palace, and I would perhaps uh, not uh, include it uh, in this uh, list on most other shows as uh, that's probably already very well known and would not need additional advertising but specifically at this time of the year I would like to recommend it for the Rose Garden rather than just the architectural uh, uh, pleasures that it would uh, provide as uh, this is the time when the roses are blooming and they have reconstructed not only the palace which went on for 50 years but also uh, have done a great job uh, with uh, the garden so uh, at this time I would recommend you to visit that as well. And on your way to Rundale Palace, if you're going from Riga, there's a little town that you're going to pass through, most likely, if you're going the, you know, if you're not going through Yelgava, if you're going um, the closest way or the fastest way, and that is a town called Bauska. And I have a lot of friends or, you know, people I know who were on their way to Rundale, and they stopped in Bauska for a bit. And they just stayed in Bauska the entire day because Bauska is awesome. First of all, Bauska has a really cool castle itself, which has just been very nicely renovated. When I first came to Latvia seven years ago, they were just kind of starting the renovation process. It is now fully renovated. It is awesome. It is a very charming little town. Uh, and, uh, you know, a, a little bit different from, you know, like the cool Kuldiga, the uh, Tzaisis, those kinds of towns as well. So a uh, very cool town, Bauska, you can visit. And also, not only, you know, can you visit Bauska on your way to uh, Rundela National Park, but it's on the Via Baltica. So if you are visiting our sister republic of Lithuania down to the south, which is also a kind of a COVID safe zone as well now, thankfully, um, then you can also stop in Bauska on the way there. And, and, and you should, you know, it's a nice place to get some lunch at the very least. So, Otto, are you ready for our final number seven recommendation that we can recommend together? It's very close to our hearts. Of course, that is our own city of Yalgava. Exactly, because Yalgava, although, uh, you know, when, when you talk to some of your colleagues, they might go like, well, where in the world did you go to Yalgava? Well, that's because they haven't been here in a while. A lot of people haven't been to Yalgava in a while. There's so much awesome stuff to do here in Yalgava. We have wild horses on the island. We have this awesome new park in, uh, in, in the middle of uh, the Lilupe River where there is a really cool outdoor concert hall where there's going to be amazing concerts all summer because it's outdoors, so you, we can actually have, you know, COVID-free, hopefully, concerts. Uh, you know, there there's... Um, Great, great trails to walk around on. Um, the city has a lot of great uh, restaurants to to eat at, and we have some amazing architecture. We have the uh, biggest palace, I think, in the Baltics, but I think uh, definitely in Latvia. Um, in we the also Baltics, yes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, you can check out your little... R- Rundal is just like a mini, you know, summer... Uh... Yeah, well, that, that's the, uh, the Rundal is the summer house. The main house is the one in Yalgam. 
Exactly. So, um, well, the inside isn't so grand because it's just the university, but but it, it is it is really cool outside. So there's tons to do in Yelgova, and if you're interested in visiting Yelgova, you can also uh, message me, and I can give you some more ideas. Uh, but summer is long, thankfully, and uh, we will give each week another new recommendation of where you can visit. But now it is time to get into some of the other news stories of the week. Um, and j- just to wrap up with the uh, COVID kind of strain, <laughs> the, the kind of strain of thought that I uh, started with COVID, uh, you know, again, there's a lot of different theories as, as to why Latvia was not hit as hard with COVID as in other places. Some people are saying that, you know, maybe it's just because we, you know, locked down quicker than in other places. Maybe it's just because Latvians are not as close with each other, you know, with, uh, you know, uh, smooching, you know, hello and goodbye as in, you know, uh, in, in other countries as well. Maybe the strain that just happened to come here to Latvia of COVID that was, you know, just wasn't as contagious as other places. You know, I, I, I don't want to be the um, the pessimist, but I've got a very bad feeling that we just kind of got lucky with a number of factors because there are a lot of other places in the world that started out kind of lucky, like, you know, we have been so far, and then they got hit harder Uh, at a later date. So I still have a bad feeling that this is not the end of it here in Latvia. I hope it is. I hope that we, you know, um, that we rode out the storm and and that's, you know, the the worst it's going to be. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm not not buying it quite so yet. So we are um, cautiously optimistic right now, or I guess I'm cautiously pessimistic. um, But, uh, you know, probably, you know, I don't think this is the last that we'll be talking about COVID on the show, seeing how it's gone in the rest of the world. So... Anyway, Otto, um, we do have quite a few other stories to talk about, or not not a whole lot, because again, Latvia is kind of on vacation right now. Um, you know, so we we talked about the heat records that have been broken. Um, this is a story that I am not. I don't, I don't even want to talk about this because I, I hate snakes. I really, really don't like snakes. I, I was talking about this with my wife uh, a couple of days ago. I I have a. Um, of both snakes and mice, I have a um, what, 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 what's the term? A, an irrational fear of them. My my, my wife doesn't like uh, you know insects so much. I, I really don't like snakes and and uh, and mice. Uh, so I especially don't like poisonous snakes, which unfortunately we do have some in Latvia. And Actually, we do have only one. Well, there are a few of them, but there's only one sort of snakes in Latvia that is venomous. So in that regard, we are uh, doing better than uh, Australia. And here we can salute our uh, occasional uh, friend uh, in uh, argument and in uh, show uh, Chris Ackenfeld. Yes, of course. Chris Ackenfeld is our correspondent down in Cambodia right now who... Um, who uh, grew up in Australia uh, and somehow survived. I, I, I don't. I don't understand how. But um, yeah. So apparently, five people have been bitten by vipers uh, over the last week. Uh, <laughs> well, I think here the news goes together with the heat record issue because as. Uh, it is uh, not a um, uh, idiomatic expression to say that snakes are cold-blooded animals, meaning that uh, their activity depends on the temperature. And uh, the higher the temperature, the more active they are. And so when we have heat records uh, that have been broken, such as the uh, 50-year heat uh, record uh, in uh, Ruyena and Stende, no wonder that uh, snakes have become more active. And also it is the case that uh, many people were uh, out of 
of town celebrating midsummer celebrating yang and uh, so uh, they had more chances than usual to get in touch with snakes and apparently uh, this is what has happened and is something that we have to be careful about uh, while uh, the weather remains as hot as it is right now this is this is a stupid question because I, I should know this at this point. What what parts of Latvia have the most uh, poisonous snakes? Because I I don't think that uh, they're quite so common here in Yelgava. But but do you know which parts of Latvia are, are, have have it most commonly? Is it, is it like up in uh, like Vidzeme? Well, uh, they do prefer for, um, locations such as uh, bushes or, for example, where you would have uh, a bunch of uh, logs or, for example, uh, these uh, some um, old leaves where you have a heap of them. Like they might may prefer to live there uh, so um Probably they are more common in the more forested areas, such as in uh, Kurzeman and Vidzeme. At the same time, you can also find them in Yalgava. You can also find them in uh, places where you have um, intensive uh, agriculture, and so you would have a lot of these like uh, heaps and uh, the d- different kinds of um, uh, things uh, uh, together in, in a bunch where the snakes. Uh, could uh, use it uh, as a, an uh, abode. Uh, at the same time, they may also uh, use, um, let's say, some openings in the foundation of buildings uh, to uh, try to uh, stay there. So y- when you go to your summer house or, or when you go to a summer house of your friends, just be careful. And uh, the main thing, uh, do not uh, try to uh, walk over them or do not take them by their tails. Uh, they will bite <laughs> and uh, uh, you don't want to take test whether it is or is not this uh, venomous snake. Yeah, and uh, as uh, we can uh, read in the information from the uh, uh, Nature Museum, uh, the vipers uh, have a very characteristic zigzag line on their back, and uh, their heads are more triangular uh, than other snakes. Uh, also, if you have the chance to look them in their eyes, then uh, one other uh, unique characteristic is that the pupil of their eyes uh, are uh, vertical uh, instead of other uh, snakes uh, whose eyes are uh, pupils uh, pupils of their eyes are round yeah, I, I don't know if you can hear this right now as, as Otto is talking. So, so snakes are terrible. I hate snakes. Um, but, but one thing that's uh, as annoying as snakes is I, I was always thinking when I left Riga because I, I lived in Cengarex, which is a pretty you know no, noisy part of Riga. Um, I always thought Yelgava would be a lot quieter. Uh, the the ones that just went by weren't quite so loud, but. All times of night, you hear these obnoxiously loud. Where they just like take the mufflers off or something. The, these these little motorbikes, and they're not even like really motorcycles. They're like scooters, or you know, because because kids uh, kids use them. I think. Uh, what, what's the age you have to be to, to drive one of these? Is it is it sixteen? Sixteen, maybe even fourteen. Well, sixteen for sure. But but they're just they're just so loud and um, yeah so so these ones weren't weren't quite so bad but still um, you, you, I I don't know how um, you know everyone doesn't have heating hearing damage so um, you know and and sometimes they're they're even so loud they even uh, set off the car alarms that go by so then so then it's a, even worse because then you know first of all that wakes up your kid and then your kid can't go back to sleep because then the car alarms off and then the dogs start yelling and everything and it's just like ugh so I don't know I mean I, I don't want to be that kind of guy who just you know complains all the time about a place they moved to and you know i you know i wouldn't change the laws about it but you know seriously just just get a get a muffler for your for your motorbike Oh, I agree like on behalf of militant pedestrians i i hope that they ban them yeah oh i i see there's one right there. yeah oh jeez okay anyway uh moving on 
So another issue which has been pretty poisonous here over the last uh, couple of, well, quite quite a while now, and th- this is an issue that comes up in campaigns over and over and over again and something that doesn't really change very often. Uh, this is an issue that became uh, one on the front burner. It's, it's been on the back. It's always on the back burner. It's, you know, it, it's like that crock pot with, uh, you know, the, the, that's been uh, cooking for, you know, God knows how long. Uh it is now on the front burner again because the uh, court has found it unconstitutional. This was the constitutional court, wasn't it? Exactly, because uh, we have uh, the constitutional court or the Satversmstis, which is the only uh, part of the judicial system that could uh, make decisions on whether any law uh, is uh, done or is uh, according to the constitution. And they found that the guaranteed minimum income is unconstitutionally low at just 64 euros a month which is something something around the lines of like uh, 80 dollars a month uh which yeah that is very 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 low now again this gets confused quite a bit with minimum wage okay so minimum wage and guaranteed minimum income are two different things and i'm going to be very lazy and leave it to auto to explain the difference so of course the uh, minimum uh, wage is uh, much higher than that. Um, it is um, um, approximately four hundred and thirty euros, if I'm not wrong. Uh, at least the last time I checked, it was like that. And uh, in response uh, to this uh, decision of the Constitutional Court, uh, the Ministry of Welfare uh, has argued that it would be possible to raise this guaranteed minimal income to one hundred and nine euros. Uh, whereas uh, uh, they could uh, also uh, support uh, raising minimum salary to 500 uh, euros. And here the difference as in between the two terms would be that the minimum wages, uh, the minimum amount of uh, money before taxes, uh, uh, which uh, may be uh, paid uh, for uh, a load of uh, work, a uh, single load of work, uh, whereas this guaranteed minimal income, uh, as I understand, is the uh, m- money uh, that is not taxed, uh, meaning that uh, the income uh, level that is uh, not taxed. And I think they also use this in calculating the minimum amount of uh, pensions and uh, other uh, benefits. And uh, probably one of the issues why it was found unconstitutional was that the formula and uh, the particular variables that they used to calculate it uh, dated back to early 90s, uh, which uh, was the time when many of these new um, arrangements uh, were found after we regained our independence. Things were probably a little bit cheaper back then as well. Oh, exactly. Of course, that was before we were in the European Union, before we were part of the world uh, economy. And of course, the the necessity is what we understand as this uh, basic uh, minimum basket of goods is also different like uh, back then as it is uh, right now. So what do you see happening right now? So, so the Ministry of Welfare is uh, run by the KPVLV party. Um, so that, that is the uh, big flashy populist party that uh, came into power in the last election. And now it does not look to be doing so well right now. Do you think that they are going to make this a major issue? Because that, that is one thing that, that was one of their major promises to do something about minimum wage finally after all of these years. Um, how, how aggressive do you think they're going to push this? Um, and uh, Ms. Uh, Petrovic, uh, the, uh, the 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 minister is she going to um, make a big fuss about this in the way that some of um, uh, uh, Yana Conservative Party's ministers have done about their pet issues um, uh, in the last year and a half? 
uh, I think that uh, certainly uh, she would try, uh, not only because uh, uh, it would be in her interest uh, to uh, for people to forget uh, this uh, constitutional court decision and the possible blame that she may be assigned. Um, uh, but also the question of trying to uh, t- take the flag out of the hands of uh, the uh, Conservative Party, uh, which uh, has been very vocal about both the issues of uh, the minimum wage, uh, but also about the issue of uh, this um, level of uh, income that is not taxed. And uh, probably... Uh, for the Conservative Party, the more important part of this has been uh, raising uh, the level of income, which is not taxed, uh, which also, in my opinion, may be a, a better way, at least certainly uh, um, with a regard to uh, competitiveness of uh, our economy and also for uh, the uh, long-term uh, benefit of the uh, business people, because, of course, uh, you cannot just uh, set a, a minimum salary and uh, expect that uh, uh, everyone will be willing uh, to uh, pay it. We have already heard about uh, different uh, types of uh, schemes and uh, trying to avoid this. For example, um, after um, giving people less than like one full load of work, so that uh, uh, they would be able to employ them uh, within the same means, because by increasing the minimum wage, that doesn't automatically increase the um, income of the business people. Uh, so I think that this will be something that the KPW will push and will try to get the limelight away from uh, the Conservative Party, for sure. And this is an issue we'll cover in more detail once we you know, have some kind of a clear policy from uh, the, the ministry. Because there's a lot to unpack and there's a lot of uh, discussions to have about um, you know, whether or not uh, or how high the minimum wage should be raised. And, and, uh, but but we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, another I wouldn't quite say toxic issue, but but definitely a thorny issue um, that uh, has been talked about for the last couple of years and is something that is starting to, I don't know, necessarily pick up steam, but at least, uh, you know, at least among, you know, for example, my younger students, uh, there's definitely kind of a a new uh, way of thought about this. There's definitely, you know, some kind of change happening. And this is the issue of same-sex partners here in Latvia. Now, we're not even talking about same-sex marriage. Same-sex marriage, that is, uh, seems a little bit further away because uh, the uh, constitution was amended just a few years ago. It was when I was still here in Latvia, um, saying specifically that um, marriage is uh, between uh, one man and one woman. Uh, But the idea of a same-sex partnership, which would have a lot of the same um, right. This was a stepping stone in America and a lot of other countries. Uh, it's a stepping stone that's uh, uh, taking place in Estonia right now towards, you know, something more like, uh, you know, actual traditional um, uh, uh, recognized marriage by the state um, for, for same-sex couples. Well, there was a uh, new initiative on the Monobals LV portal. So if there are 10,000 signatures on this online portal, like, you know, it's like my, my vote, um, then it has to be discussed in front of Saima. Now, although this new Saima and the parties that uh, are um, in in this new Saima, there seems to be more support than there would have been in previous Saimas uh, for this issue. It doesn't seem like there's really going to be much change this time around. What, what, what do you think about this, Otto? 
certainly uh, this issue uh, has uh, been raised uh, to a more prominent level in uh, this uh, parliament and uh, that uh, happened already uh, before uh, this particular event uh, because as we discussed this um, in one of the previous shows long time ago this is actually one of the issues uh, that uh, are included in the coalition agreement uh, specifically that uh, the coalition uh, parties uh, are able to vote as they wish on a number of issues uh, including uh, the issue of uh, the regulation of same-sex uh, partnerships and that was uh, one of the points that um, Atisti Bepar uh, the Development Four party uh, managed to get in the coalition agreement so it has been on the political agenda since 2018 uh, at the same time uh, uh, this is now uh, um, a particular uh, law proposal uh, that has uh, gone uh, towards the parliament so uh, it will be reviewed by the commission uh, probably the judicial commission uh, and uh, then it will uh, with the recommendation of the commission uh, it uh, may go to the voting in the parliament and we may expect Atisti by uh, par or the development for uh, voting uh, for this uh, and uh, then it will be um, interesting to see uh, which way uh, the other parties will choose because we can clearly see some parties which would be against it we know also individual members of parliament who would be against it uh, um, as they would be considered and they have announced themselves as more conservative uh, in the values that they prefer uh, but certainly uh, it will not go away and uh, I would expect if it's uh, not uh, enacted in uh, this political cycle, it will still remain an issue in the next four years. Uh, okay, couple other stories before we hand things over to Mr. Olivs Nikars to do the international issues. Um, one is that the illegal cigarette sales, uh, which have been endemic around Riga Central Market, they are they, uh, the, the amount of sales has decreased, but it is still. An issue, and this was interesting because a couple of months ago, we were talking about the uh, tearing down of the different kiosks uh, near the uh, trolley bus uh, stop, which is kind of the you know the, the end of the central market. It's, it's close to where the uh, central station is, and I was not very happy about this. Um, most people seemed totally fine with this, but but the um, the the issue, the reason why they tore down all of these little kiosks, and, and this is, um, I mean, a, a lot of you visited. You know the central market before. Uh, you know, uh, you know what I'm talking about. This is where people sold uh, clothes and different. You know, there were some flea markets in there and like video games, but it was it was mostly clothes. Uh, for me, this was kind of the most interesting part of the market. This is where a lot of real people really did. Uh, you know, actual um, you know uh, sales of different thing. It wasn't you know so nice and cutesy and you know well well put together as the rest of the market, which is now becoming a little bit of a tourist attraction. Uh, and I think is losing a bit of its edge, but in general, people seem to be in favor of this. Uh, well, the reason why they were torn down is because of the illegal cigarette issue, um, and just as I predicted, it has not gone away. It's just been pushed off to the side a little bit. So um, I don't, I don't know. Any, any, any thoughts about the Sado? Well, uh, specifically in the central market. Uh it seems that, uh, albeit controversial, uh, the uh, change worked because, uh, with all uh, all due respect uh, to the uh, people who were selling their uh, products uh, legitimately, uh, uh, 
some of these shops, quite a few, uh, did serve as uh, front establishments uh, for actually uh, selling uh, cigarettes. And uh, the uh, planning of uh, the place also did not allow um, the good enough oversight. Uh, now the specific uh, area of Central Market is actually um, practically free from uh, um, the, these illicit activities. And uh, now they are... Uh, I have seen uh, a little bit of that going on, but uh, um, indeed, like this change has pushed it, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, to the uh, tunnel between the central market and the central uh, station, uh, which uh, is no longer the property of the central market. So the central market security service has no authority to go there. At the same time, uh, there does not seem to be uh, enough action from the Riga municipal police uh, to deal uh, with it at. Uh, that tunnel. At the same time, the people have, uh, who are doing this uh, have now uh, become more clandestine in their activities, as uh, occasionally one may observe that. Yeah, and you know, again, I mean, if you know, if the goal, sure, that's great. They they push the illegal cigarette sales out of the market, but you know, they, they haven't stopped anything uh, when it comes to illegal cigarette sales because the taxes are still very, very high. Um, which I think is something that Otto and I can agree on is that you know the, in, until they lower the taxes on cigarettes, um, n- n- nothing is going to change with this issue. But um, but again, whether or not it's good that there's high cigarette taxes, that's a whole different issue that we can have because there's obviously pros and cons. Um, one little minor story I just want to mention very quickly. So for those of you who are fans of space, you have something to be excited about because Latvia has been accepted as an official member state of the European Space Agency, which is uh, very very cool because now. Um, Latvia is going to have a uh, higher budget to work with for its uh, scientists. So shout out to Miss Amara Grops, uh, who I know is very, very excited about this issue. Um, you know, who, who is a, uh, a, an, an excellent um, space researcher here in Latvia doing excellent work. So um, there's going to be uh, more cooperation with Latvian scientists and, and more opportunity for grants and, and different things like that. So uh, very good accomplishment for Latvia when it comes to space. And we're still not shooting off probes into space but hey you know it's something so anyway uh should we hand things over to olaf's now uh, exactly lithuanian president gitanus now said refused to attend a planned meeting with his estonian and latvian counterparts on thursday saying he did so after the countries failed to agree to ban electricity purchases from a new nuclear power plant in Belarus. Lithuania sees the nuclear power plant built by Russia's atom store export near its capital and financed by Moscow with a 10 billion loan as threat to its safety and national security. Lithuania wants all the three countries to sign up a banning sales to Belarusian electricity after the nuclear plant comes online. Presidents of Estonia and Latvia said they still backed the preliminary agreement which they left of the governments to continue the discussions on exact wordings if it needs to be adjusted. Hopefully Latvia and Estonia will reach this single agreement with Lithuania, having a unified position towards the Belarusian power plant. Mia share Lithuanian president's position not attending this very important meeting in Estonia. Otto and Joe, do you share my sentiment?
Yeah, it's um, interesting that uh, in, uh, in regard to the uh, meeting between the Baltic presidents, uh, uh, the issue of uh, Belarus is um, uh, still a big issue and probably will remain so. Uh, we have heard also the um, uh, European voices uh, getting involved in this and it will be interesting how this uh, goes on, especially that uh, next year we will have the uh, hockey championship that uh, will be organized by both Latvia and uh, Belarus and uh, whether the uh, issue of um, the, the, uh, some people in uh, Belarus allegedly being behind the illegal cigarette sales, uh, which of uh, these issues will come up and how that will affect the ability for the Baltic states in uh, getting a, a common voice in this regard, because that would be uh, very uh, important. Radiation sensors in Stockholm have detected higher than usual but still harmless levels of isotopes produced by nuclear fission, probably from somewhere or on near the Baltic Sea, a body running a worldwide network of the sensors, said on Friday. The comprehensive nuclear test ban theater organization oversees a network of hundreds of monitoring stations that use seismic hydroacoustic and other technology to check for a nuclear weapon test anywhere in the world. That technology can, however, be put to other uses as well. Radioactive particles that can be carried long distances by the wind, detecting usually high levels of two radionuclides earlier this week. Cesium-134, 37 and ethenium 143. These are certainly nuclear fission products, most likely from a civil source. A spokeswoman for the Vienna-based CTBTO said, referring to the atomic chain reaction that generates heat in a nuclear reactor. I think there is certainly something we should be worried about and these are levels of radioactivity that officials are not in position to tell us about. Today, 1,500 passengers arrived in Riga on the first voyage of the Tallinn group ship Silvia Serenade. On its first voyage on the new temporary road from Helsinki, the ship went yesterday, June 26, picking up about 150 passengers, of whom 1,200 arrived in Riga for one day to return to Helsinki tonight. But about 300 choose to stay in Latvia to spend a longer here. This morning, the ship was greeted by Ansis Zeltinj, the manager of Freeport of Riga. According to the information of the company's website, the ship leaves Riga from Helsinki at 16.30. The ship will leave Helsinki and rig every second day, offering vacationers ample opportunities to plan both shorter one-day cruises and longer trips to Finland and Latvia this summer. Be sure that the ships are safe for travel. And thank you very much, Olevs. Now, Otto, I know that you wanted to comment, so uh, what would you like to mention? Um, 
I'm also uh, very uh, happy to hear the news about the Riga Helsinki ferry route because uh, I'm uh, looking forward to going to Helsinki myself. Uh, I have not been there uh, yet, uh, but I want to go uh, both for uh, touristic reasons, but also that uh, uh, the Baltic Security Foundation that I work for, uh, we are planning to have a conference there. So I think it would be a great location for that. And I'm happy that the transit is open uh, again. I think, uh, yeah, I, I would also love to, to go to uh, Helsinki as well on the ferry. I really hope that this becomes a more regular thing. But anyway, Otto, uh, what do you have for the week in history? Because uh, there's something very interesting. I can tie this in with a little final story uh, that just came out today. So tell us about the week in history. Uh, let me remind uh, our listeners to the uh, legal day of uh, 1919, which was the June 23rd, 1919, uh, when um, Estonian and Latvian armies uh, won against uh, German forces in the Battle of Cesis, uh, turning the tide of both uh, Estonian and Latvian uh, wars of uh, independence uh, by uh, crushing uh, the uh, pro-German uh, uh, forces and, uh, in the case of the Latvian, army paving the way to um, uh, getting uh, Bermonts uh, back to uh, Riga and outside uh, of uh, Latvia and letting the Latvian army to uh, focus all their forces to fighting the Red Army on the Eastern Front. And uh, that is a, a major win for uh, both of our countries. So here we can uh, salute uh, both uh, our Latvia and also Estonia uh, in this uh, glorious fight for independence. And in Sasis itself, so apparently there was a 450-year-old inscription that was discovered in the castle. This was on uh, the English version of LSM. I'm sure it's on the Latvian version of LSM as well, uh, which is very, very cool. So this was uh, discovered by one of the um, experts who works there. Uh, apparently the light just shined a certain way through uh, one of the cracks, and they noticed that there was this inscription that had never been noticed before. It was a coat of arms and then also um, a few uh, a, f- a few initials written around there as well, which is very very cool that um, you know this is you know obviously a uh, an object that has been scoured by archaeologists over and over and over again and they still found something new something interesting um, you know not quite as cool as like a hidden passage to you know like 450 year old wine or something like that but hey you know definitely something cool to check out uh, I think unfortunately the the wine was blown up at the time when uh, during one of uh, the sieges uh, the defenders uh, found it untenable and blew the uh, uh, castle up. So uh, one other uh, example as uh, Cess is not only in 1919 uh, but also before was uh, one of the uh, key uh, locations in Latvia and also uh, the, mm, the witness to one of the many wars that we have unfortunately had. Thank God. Goodness, not anymore. Um, Otto, uh, so now that we, uh, again, are uh, open for now and that, um, you know, it it looks like we're able to go back to life as as somewhat normal, at least uh, temporarily, uh, there are going to be all kinds of open air events throughout the country. So definitely, uh, you know, even here in Yelgova, we've got some great concerts coming up in the next week. So if you do come to Yelgova, uh, you can go to the open air um, concert hall. Well, it's kind of open air. They, they build a big tent over it. it it's, it's a love-hate thing. You, you'll see it when you come here to Yelgova. I, I, I used to hate it. Now now I think I'd miss it if it was gone. Um, but uh, the great thing is that in the time of COVID, at least we can have uh, beautiful concerts and uh, music. So anything you'd like to say to people before we sign off? Oh, 
enjoy the good weather at the same time uh, do not uh, forget sunscreen um, also look for something that has at least uh, 30 number 30 on it and of course uh, drink a lot of water avoid heat strokes and avoid wipers enjoy it in a, a way so that uh, you are not the only one who is very happy but also the people that care for you are enjoying this too and don't forget to wash your hands. You still have to wash your hands, even even though uh, you know we, we we don't have the high infection rates. So anyway, thank you guys so much. Thanks to Andrew and Carlos, who are still doing the awesome stories of the day every day on our Facebook page. You can subscribe there to keep updated all week. Uh, subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And until next time, peace, love, and Museum. Peace, love.